Kim Schmidt, Managing Editor of Farm Equipment. Welcome to Farm Equipment's Used Equipment Remarketing Roadmaps podcast. In this episode, brought to you by Iron Solutions, host Casey Seymour of Moving Iron LLC talks with Aaron Fintel and Regina Narges, Remarketing Specialists for 21st Century Equipment. If you're tuning in for the first time, I'd encourage you to subscribe via iTunes, the Google Play Store, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, or TuneIn Radio. By subscribing, you're alerted when each upcoming episode is released. Before we turn things over to Casey, a quick word from Iron Solutions, who's making this podcast a reality. Iron Solutions provides dealers with an array of lifecycle management services that drive sales and profits. Their Iron Search and Iron Guides are all about managing your dealership more efficiently and profitably, while Iron Search allows you to directly showcase your equipment online to a wider universe of buyers. Visit www.ironsolutions.com today. Casey, Aaron, and Regina talk about how they're using social media to market used equipment. Aaron shares how he's used Twitter to market wholesale priced used equipment, trying to get as close to auction as possible. Regina talks about how Twitter works better for her to connect to the ag industry rather than Facebook. Today we're going to talk about marketing used equipment via social media. So let's go ahead and kick this off, Aaron. You're on Twitter quite a bit with the stuff that you have out there. Mm-hmm. Talk to me how you got started doing that and how successful it's been for you. You know, I got on Twitter three years ago or so, and then you just decide to spend some time on there, see what it's all about, learn how it all works, following people, and this farmer follows this farmer to this farmer to this farmer. And, you know, that's pretty much what my entire Twitter was, was football information and farmers that are on Twitter. So I just up and decided here last fall or so to take some of my wholesale price machines and throw them out there see what happens. And it was met pretty much with wide open arms, you know, with the current farm economy and everything, guys were looking for a deal like that. And it's kind of a unique niche too, because it is a wholesale priced item. And I try to get as close to auction as possible, but you're still buying it from a deer dealer. Right. So I like to think of it as kind of a perfect storm scenario where it's not just, well, here's the keys, you know, good luck. And not saying that's how wholesale outfits are at all, but it's a wholesale price machine backed by a John Deere dealer. And with my personality and how I operate, it's a very no BS, you know, approach. Here's the numbers and yes or no. Right. Right. You're on social media a lot. Mm-hmm. Your family farms. Back in eastern Nebraska, dad has a hay grinding business and all that kind of stuff. You're out here in western Nebraska. Your husband has a ranch and family has a ranch and they farm and everything else. So you're like uber involved in the actual production side of stuff. How does that work with the social media stuff that you do? And when you're looking at equipment out there, what do you see? So the power of social media is huge. And the connections that you can make to people across the entire United States That's what I love the most about it. And actually, that's what I love most about Twitter. So, you know, my Facebook is full of my friends and my family and all that kind of stuff. And I mean, I love to see what my friends and my family are doing. But, you know, that's primarily what I use it for. And Twitter, for me, is more of honing into the ag industry. That's my go-to resource. So, you know, talking to farmers in Kansas and Oklahoma and seeing what they're experiencing and what they're going through, that's huge for me. Right. And that's the one thing, too, about 
Twitter's dynamically different than Facebook. Oh, yeah. And Facebook is dynamically different than Instagram. And Instagram is different than all of them put together. I mean, there's not one of them out there that are like each other enough to where you're going to get the same thing. In the ad community, Twitter's actually been king when it comes to that. I mean, Oh, absolutely. And, mm-hmm. and there's a ton of people out there that are in ag that are strictly on Twitter that aren't on anywhere else. Learning how to use those different mediums to get a hold of different people or to follow that information stream that you're looking for is so much more dynamic, mm-hmm. especially with the 240 character thing. It's 480 now. It's 480 now? Yeah. So now I can type duels instead of DLS. Yeah. <laughs> but absolutely. I will say too, like for the farmer and rancher or the guy that's trying to sell his own products, I think Facebook has totally changed the game for that. And case in point, a place that sells show goats or show sheep or mm-hmm. show cattle you know, I think that has really driven that business to the next level just for the fact that they're connecting to their producers or their families across the board. There's even groups on Facebook called Western Nebraska Livestock Exchange. There's different various groups. And my very own husband, he sold some cedars on there just this past week. And he would have never made that connection if it wasn't for social media. So right. the power of it's huge in connecting people that you would never be able to touch on your own. Mm-hmm. Well, in case in point, you know, with my little hobby farm, it's got a Facebook page and all that jazz. And I used to have a Twitter for my little stupid hobby farm. And you get, you know, for that little pretend operation, you get way more interaction on Facebook because there are so many more hobbyists, you know, mm-hmm. pretenders out there like myself versus what I have found on Twitter is, I mean, that's real life production guys, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. So for my hobby farm, I think Facebook is a way better thing. And the other hobbyists for the job of moving machinery, Twitter is by far the best. Yeah. What is the single biggest connection that you think you've made thus far? You know, how much stuff you listen on Facebook compared to Twitter? I just use Twitter. I did Facebook before, made a, you know, 21st wholesale page, promoted it, all that kind of stuff. And it was a giant waste of time compared to Twitter. You got a lot of strokers and pretenders and all that kind of stuff on there. As far as the Facebook thing goes, the Twitter thing is legit real life. You know, I'll retweet something when it's sold and, you know, there's been good sales on there just because it's a great avenue to get a lot of exposure. There's a lot of guys, you know, that I've talked to that retweet my stuff all the time and mm-hmm. on down the line. And there's probably half of the things I've sold on there was to a guy who we didn't follow each other until he saw the retweet from someone else, got a hold of me, we made a deal, so on and so forth. And then mm-hmm. that guy retweets and on down the line, man. So for Aaron, it works really good reaching out to producers across the entire U.S. For our own company Facebook page, we've done some different used equipment deals of the week. Most of them are centered around a payment option and it gets a lot of attention or, you know, our sales guy shares it and his customers see it. I mean, that's the power of this thing is, you know, virtually we've touched numerous different customers was very little effort. You know, it's just like printing out a flyer and giving it to that sales guy to go out to. Well, no, he can have it instantly and share it on his Facebook page and all of his buddies or his customers or his friends or neighbors or whatever, they can see that post as well. Mm -hmm. So again, it just goes back to reaching so many people 
instantly with very little effort. Yeah. What power do you think it would have for a guy that sold his piece of equipment? To, like we traded it in. What kind of power do you think that would have and increase the sellability of the unit? I think you and I would differ on the impact it would have in general. We're talking different markets to a point, you know. I think for what Gene is talking about in that realm, I think it would be a big deal. Yeah, so the single number one thing that our sales guys get asked when a customer is looking at a piece of equipment is they want to know who owned this mm-hmm. before before me, who traded it in. And, you know, if it's somebody that they know, they're like, oh, yeah, you know, home run, I'm going to buy this because I know this guy. Or, you know, if they don't know him, they're like, okay, well, what does this guy do? How does he run his operation? I mean, that definitely plays a huge role into what our sales guys do here in territory. Yeah. And one of the biggest questions I always ask, and it's 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 always like a, a litmus test about how, how good a piece of equipment has been taken care of, is how often did you change the oil? And, you know, it's 250-hour increments. That's what you see. And most of the time, people always say they do this stuff. But one guy did ask, like, when you changed oil on this, did you do it per the owner's manual or per what you thought was the right thing to do? And he was testing that. You know, he was obviously one of those guys that if it said at 250 hours, you do X, Y, and Z, he was doing X, Y, and Z. So, you know, that was a big deal to him. So going as far as even logging that stuff in the putting those receipts and putting that log in there, that makes a big difference too and be able to post that. How do you feel Instagram is going? Because I don't see a whole lot of ag folks on there yet, and I might just not have the right followers either. But how do you think that's going to play because of how that medium works and what we're talking about here as far as equipment goes? So Instagram is kind of an interesting one, and it's actually Instagram is owned by Facebook, but Instagram completely 100% drives off of hashtags. And I would say there's more younger users that are on there, probably users that are tired of Facebook and they deleted their Facebook account and they just want to use an Instagram account because all that Instagram is, is it's the picture and then words underneath it, but you can't put any links into the comments area on Instagram, which is kind of difficult to market with because you can't say, you know, check out this tractor and link back to it because Instagram doesn't allow you to put links in there. So that is a little bit difficult. The other thing that Instagram just launched was a stories. So it's very similar to Snapchat where for 24 hours you can put something up on the top on your story and it shows on the top of everybody's feed. I don't necessarily think that Instagram is a a selling type feature, but it's more of a like check out what we're doing, you know, and a conversation starter with customers. It's not, I would say it's probably the least useful platform for trying to actually sell a product. Mm-hmm. Just exposure. Just more of exposure. There's a lot of small businesses that they're not necessarily putting a post out every day, but they're posting something on their story because they want people to watch it. They want people to see it. But at the same time, you have to actually dig into their website or go visit them on Facebook to actually dig in and see that. So it's a little bit more difficult to actually market via Instagram. Right. So Facebook did something similar too, where they took that same approach. I don't know how long ago they start that. Not very long ago. Mm, probably the end of the year. So like you can either do your story from Facebook or you can feed your Instagram stories directly to Facebook. Mm, okay. You think that's going to be a little bit different? I mean, that's going to give Facebook a little different feel and approach now that you can do that? Or do you, do you feel like it's still kind of going to be the same medium that we're used to? So for me, that on Facebook is super annoying because it's all the people that I follow on Instagram. There's maybe a couple that are not following on Instagram that 
are on my Facebook, but I totally, completely, 100% ignore it. Right. Okay. <laughs> um, right. And, and I'm almost getting to that to the point with certain Instagram users, too, because it's like they have, you know, they have 10 posts a day of what they're doing. And to me, I'm like, okay, I don't really want to see that much of your stuff per day. You know, one post is okay. Or like if it's something interesting and engaging, and that's kind of the key too. like everything that you put out there has to be something that people are going to want to look at. Mm -hmm. So whether it's a crazy good equipment deal or a rare find, it all goes back to customer engagement and interaction with that post. Because if you're just putting stuff out there and nobody's liking it or retweeting it, if that's all you're getting, is it really worth it? Right. You know, your top two are probably your Facebook and your Twitter. And I don't think those are going away anytime soon. It's definitely a tool to put in your toolbox. I mentioned Snapchat. I see like different events or different organizations use Snapchat, but they only use it, you know, one time a year or mm. whatever. But they're also putting the same exact content onto their Instagram story. So right. why would I follow them on Snapchat? You know, that's kind of my theory there. We'll get back to Casey, Aaron, and Regina in a moment, but first a quick word from the company who made this podcast possible. Iron Solutions has deep roots in the ag industry with products for producers, dealers, manufacturers, ag retailers, and service providers. Visit www.ironsolutions.com to see solutions that streamline your operations, improve productivity, reduce costs, and speed your growth. Casey, Aaron, and Regina started their conversation talking about how Twitter has been the social media king in the ag industry versus the other platforms out there. They also touched on the challenge that Instagram presents for marketing equipment. Regardless of what platform you're using, Regina stressed the importance of engaging content. Now here's Casey with a quick message about moving iron. Hello, I'm Casey Seymour, and I want to thank Farm Equipment Magazine for partnering with me to bring you the Farm Equipment Podcast Series, Use Equipment Remarketing Roadmaps. The podcasts are taken from my weekly podcast, Moving Iron Podcast. Moving Iron Podcast is a podcast designed for ag equipment dealers by ag equipment dealers. The weekly podcast focuses on current events and trends across the ag equipment marketplace in North America. Along with dealers, I interview the biggest names in the ag industry. Chip Nellinger of Blue Reef Ag and Marketing is a regular guest talking about commodity markets and risk management. You can also hear guests like Greg Machinery Pete Peterson and Tyne Morgan of the U.S. Farm Report. If you are in the ag equipment business or have an interest in the ag equipment business, this is a must listen for you. You can find the podcast at movingironllc.com, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, and SoundCloud. Also at movingironllc.com, you can find information on the 2018 Moving Iron Summit in Las Vegas, past and current episodes of Moving Iron Podcast, and articles from the Moving Iron blog. Throughout the year, there will be guest bloggers writing on various topics from their point of view. You can hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Moving Iron LLC, or you can find me on LinkedIn. And if you would like, you can send me an email at Moving Iron Podcast at movingironpodcast.com. So until next time, let's go move some iron. This is Casey Seymour, out. Thanks, Casey. Let's get back to the program now and listen in as Casey, Aaron, and Regina continue their conversation about how Snapchat can work for a business during certain times. They also talk about the audience shift from Facebook to Instagram, as well as the pros and cons to sharing the same content across platforms. They also talk about email blasts versus print publications and the value email campaigns offer. I see Snapchat being, like for us, I think Snapchat would be a very powerful tool during planting season. Demo day. Demo day, they got rained out or whatever, harvest, you know, if they're in the tractor or in, in the combine or whatever it is that they're doing. I could see that being a useful thing there because you have a captive audience looking to be entertained, mm -hmm. right? So they're going to be flipping through there. And if they see that kind of stuff, it's going to do that. I think it would be incredibly hard to have a Snapchat campaign 
to where you were like you disappears. Know, well, I understand that, but you have to look at it first. You know her point though about Instagram being for the younger crowd and that. You know that's a perfect example. I'm not on Instagram, and my son thinks Facebook is stupid and Instagram is where it's at. So there's a perfect example. Yeah. No, I. The really Instagram doesn't doing. have as many ads as like what Facebook has, so I think there's a probably a shift of people that just get tired of seeing all the stuff on Facebook. So they move to Instagram because all they really care about is the pictures of their friends or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't care about the long stories or the political things that you see out there or, you know, that type of stuff. When you are looking at Instagram, mm-hmm. you, know, you go through the whole deal and you can do the share to Facebook, share to Twitter, and I think Tumblr or something like that. Mm-hmm. So that one you can pick from. How do you feel about that? And do you see that being kind of active? So in theory, it's a great theory because you're going and posting in one place and it goes out to three other places or whatever. I'm not 100% sure on Twitter, but the way that Facebook works is mm-hmm. Facebook will actually punish you from posting from a third-party site, meaning you're not going to get as many reaches with your post if you post it from Instagram. So that kind of makes it difficult just from the new algorithms that Facebook put out at the beginning of the year. So it's really best to post to Facebook organically. Mm-hmm. I've seen plenty of Instagram stories that go to Twitter, but then again, you know, from Twitter you hit the Instagram and it has to open up the Instagram app. Does that make sense? So it's not like you can just click the button and go to your content, which is kind of annoying to probably some people that are out there in those spaces. You lost me at algorithms. Algorithms. <laughs> Organically. Or- but there is some different programs out there that you can use to post to Facebook specifically. Buffer is one. Hootsuite used to be huge in Twitter. So there are some different players out there that you can use to schedule posts to all of those platforms for you. But there again, you just have to be cognizant of making sure that Facebook specifically, because they're the ones that are, they're very specific as to who sees your posts and they're very concerned with who's seeing your posts if you're a business. So you just got to make sure that if you're posting from a third party site, that it's getting as many reaches as if you post organically to Facebook. Well, I think we've beat this one to death. Well, it depends on if you've been organically cognizant of your algorithms. <laughs> That's true. What about email blasts? There you go. Let's talk about email blasts. You know, my husband and I were a younger generation farmer, and the magazines that pile up on my counter drive me nuts. And, you know, my husband's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to read those. I'm going to read those. Well, it's like once a month he reads them, and we get three, four, five a week probably. I don't know how many, but... For me, I'm like, I don't want that clutter, like, get it out of the house type of deal. So I really think that there's probably a lot of value in email campaigns and reaching your customers that way. Because there's a lot of farmers, you know, I mean, they're obviously on their computer. They're checking their DTN and the commodities and the weather and, you know, they're working on their data. I just really think that there's a lot of power probably in those emails. Listening to After the Bell, Chip Nellinger. There you go. Yeah. Hashtag moving iron. I, I would, use a lot. You know, like constant contact and those yeah. kind of things. Oh, yeah. I use a lot of email blasts. And, and what I've done a lot of times, too, is if a guy follows me on Twitter, not if I follow him, but if he follows me, I will reach out to him and see, you know, if I can have his email address and I don't, I don't even share it with the company or anything like that. Because there's a lot of times Twitter's great for one piece or a pair, but there's a lot of times I got a hot list or, you know, of random things that we're getting aggressive on. 
or there might be, you know, got this package of tractors that are crazy smoking deal Mm -hmm. and I can send that via that way. I used to do it with like 10 guys per email group. And then pretty soon I'm like, you know, between dealers and wholesalers and farmers, I've got a hundred groups. That's a hundred different damn emails, you know? So I one day decided, oh, I'll try this constant contact thing and boom, you know? And the cool thing about that is it tells you where it bounced from. Mm -hmm. It tells you who unsubscribed from it, you know, so you can take them off the computer side of it. It's just really handy, but I find it harder to pack in the amount of information, you know, because a lot of times when I build a hot list, I'll have make, model, hours, and then, you know, half of your screen per line item is the specs. Well, to turn that into a JPEG and get it on constant contact and get it to fit the frame right and all that is a nightmare. I'm always fighting that. So in those instances, it's still easier to have those contact groups and just send it out via email. But it's a great tweener, if you will. You know, it's more than one piece, but it's not a list of 10. You know, you can kind of get it on constant contact, get it to work. Because I've also found the more pictures you put on there, like I've I've just had trouble with it sending through, you know, because... Ideally, on constant contact, I don't do it a lot different than Twitter. You know, Twitter, you can put four pictures with your description, and constant contact, I'll do two to six. So it's kind of a run over thing, but you target who you're sending it to. Right. So you're picking demographics, right? You're going to send XYZ pieces to these guys and something over to this, maybe an end user buyer or something like that. Me, yeah, not not so much. Not with how I operate. It's pretty much the same thing. It is what it is. So you're not segmenting out your equipment based on whatever, you know, condition or whatever it might be? Yeah, once in a while. If we have... Like an engine blows up on an 8300. Right. right? We had an 8530 in here a couple month ago right. that we were looking for bids on, and I didn't send that to dealers. I didn't send it to farmers. I sent it to the wholesalers, you know, mm-hmm. hey might have this in do you have any interest what's your buy number on it you know that kind of thing another one is the off color stuff okay yeah red blue yellow orange right. you get that in i will send that to the farmers and the wholesalers i'm obviously not going to send that to the john deere dealers right so from my standpoint i think when you send that email out it's a very personal thing you're personally engaging that a single person especially with something like like a program like constant contact where it is a you know, singular type deal that you're putting in and you're sending out to someone. I think that makes a big difference in what their response is going to be. It's going to be more of a organic response than a kind of response to a mass kind of thing. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I would agree with that totally. And mm-hmm. I've had probably of, you know, how many say a thousand guys that I've reached out to, you know, about 500 answer. And there's been, 25 or so that are like, no, you know, if it's on here, you know, I'm watching, mm-hmm. you know, I want to buy from you. you got great deals. But I've worked so hard for 10 years to make sure nothing is in my email ever, ever, ever that I didn't put there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was like, I get it. You know, yeah. I open my civilian email every morning and I'm like, why is this even here? Right. You know, 
So I I get that. And there's guys that way, you know, they're like, no, but I'm buddies with such and such. And, you know, I know that he gets your emails and we talk often enough that he knows what I'm kind of looking for too. So, yeah, that's totally fine, dude. You know, I'm not going to get all pissy that you won't give me your email address. (laughs) Right. I, I get the same way. I mean, my email, I open it up. I'm like, when did I ask something from Sherry's Berries? Where'd that come from? <laughs> Stuff just ends up there. So anyway, but I think that's one of those things I really feel is going to be the better you can engage people in email, the better you're going to have really connecting with that person on a one-on-one basis. Right. I think using the social media thing, it's like you're kind of throwing it against the wall and seeing what sticks and the people that are interested in like your deals like that, or whether we're having a demo day or uh, whatever it might be, all that stuff pops up on there and makes a big difference in how that's all going to play out. Well, not only that, but as far as times changing and stuff in this calendar year, I've sold at least 10 pieces that, you know, you're talking quarter of a million dollar combine tractors, whatever, Mm -hmm. no phone calls. Yeah. We texted. Yeah. We emailed. We tweeted. Private message. Yeah. No phone calls. I don't know what the guy sounds like. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. And then one guy, I sold him the second thing, and he goes, well, this is two, so I figure we should probably hear each other on the phone. I'm like, that's probably a good point. I bought and sold a lot of stuff privately via email and text. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Never said a word to him. Mm-hmm. They even came, picked it up, like transferred money and everything else. I didn't even see him pick it up. Right. You know, I told him like, hey, it's over here. Come pick it up. Yep. You know, whenever you're ready, thanks. We're good to go. And I've done that with stuff I've bought on Big Iron, you know. They're like, yeah, well, we're not going to be here, but it's by the shed. I'm like, good enough. Yeah. The way that we deal with customers moving forward is going to be so dynamically different than we dealt with them five, even five years ago. Well, with the internet, social media, texting, all that, you fit into their schedule so much better. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I noticed the other day it really intrigued me because a guy had a thing on there, and it wasn't a viral post, but there was probably 15 to 20 comments on it about salesmen stopping at the farm. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, don't come to my house, come to my office. You know, and then one of the other guy's comments was like, well, you know, my house is the office type deal. And the other thing was, don't come at lunch when I'm eating. There was a bunch of other things on there. It was kind of a, from a farmer's standpoint, a yeah. how-to for a new salesman, yeah. you know. And it was it was kind of funny because he was like, don't show up and shove a tractor down my throat the first time we've ever met, you know, kind of thing. And, and it was kind of funny because some guys were like, he's doing his job. You know, he's there to sell something. And another guy was like, he should never do that the first time, you know, and all mm-hmm. this kind of stuff. It was it was pretty cool post yeah and that's where this world boom it's there right i'm waiting i'm ready whenever you are you know and that's what i tell my guys i'm like message me i'll do my best to always message you back and you message me when you have time so talk about it from your perspective you're a 20 something farmer mm-hmm. rancher mm-hmm. francher <laughs> <laughs> you talk with tyson and all that i mean what's his approach and what's his mindset when he's talking to guys so yeah, time for us this is a huge deal. So we have two little kids at home and we both work. I work out of the home all day long. He's out working all day long. So when we get home at six o'clock, it's kid time. It's feed him supper, give him baths. Okay. And then, you know, maybe at nine o'clock, that's our time to work on our business, do our research, 
But, you know, the same thing for my husband. He's out working and, you know, actually out physically doing things all day long. So he doesn't have the time to go sit in town in a sales guy's office for an hour. He doesn't want anybody to be calling him and bothering him trying to sell him something during the daytime. Because he's got other things that he's trying to get done from that, you know, 7 to 5 or 7 to 6 time frame. Because he knows when I come home, I expect help with kids. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And part of that is, you know, the time frame that we're in right now, he's able to do that. So I fully want his help. Obviously, during planting and harvesting times, you know, he's nowhere to be found anywhere to help with the kids, which is, Mm -hmm. I get that. Totally understand the lifestyle and it just is what it is. His time is very limited. So when he allocates that amount of time to go and buy something, you know, he already has his mind made up or he already has done a lot of the research online or he's already called and talked to our friends that have an experience with that piece of equipment or whatever before he even walks into the dealership or gives the dealership a call. So I think it's super crucial for a sales guy to be cognizant of a farmer or a producer's time because, you know, they have other things they're trying to schedule in, you know, right. so they serve on local boards or, you know, mm-hmm. like I said, they're trying to be involved in their kids' activities. You know, anymore, it just seems like everybody's so busy with their own different activities and things that it's harder and harder to get time from people. It's harder and harder to schedule time with somebody else. So the younger generation, they're not coming into the store and sitting in a sales guy's office for two, three hours discussing a trade deal. You know, they're coming in and they already kind of know what they want. They already have their mind kind of already made up. So they want that satisfaction to be able to make that decision and get it done within 30 minutes. Yeah. I think something you said there is so important. What you just said was you've given the information via email and wherever else it's been, and they've done the research online. When they actually physically come in, they're like 85% sure mm-hmm. about what they want to do. There are some very critical questions they have revolving around probably some level of technology and how it's going to work with whatever system they have or how they're going to gather information or whatever that is and how it's, this new system is going to do that for them. Most people, when they sit down with them, they were going over the most basic things with them at that point. Instead of letting the guy sit down from you and tell you, well, this is what I want. This is why I think I want it. And then you ask the simple questions of why. Why do you want that? What are you trying to do? What are you trying to improve? What efficiencies are you trying to gain? Where are your pinch points at? Those kind of things. They've kind of got that figured out already. Mm-hmm. You know, you just have to fine tune that. And then maybe once they find that they're 85% sure they want, may not even be the right thing for them at all. Mm-hmm. Right. You know what I mean? But Tyler says it all the time don't assume for the customer. Let the customer make that decision. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, so, and that's such a such a vital thing you have. I didn't grow up on a farm or anything like that. So my, my parents weren't involved in all the stuff, you know, school board and those kind of things. It seems like now everyone's involved in all kinds of this, that, and the other. And your time is so valuable that if you want it to work, there's just got to be a buffer between the outside world. Mm-hmm. And I think that like what you said is so important is when they need Tyson shows up to start working a deal or do whatever, that you guys have collectively kind of made a decision on what you want to do, mm-hmm. but you're just looking for the fine-tuning part of it. Yep. So I think that gets so overlooked in the sales process today. Ask questions, then shut up. Right. But I also think, too, it's just the generational. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, we're, at the, we're at that point now. We're at that generational swing in the business. You know, you've got guys that have been doing it for 30 years, and they've worked with Grandpa and Dad, and now the new guy's coming in, and, you know, he has a completely different mindset than his Grandpa and Dad did. And even Grandpa and Dad had a different mindset than each other. But this is just like a 180-degree difference between mm-hmm. the two. And that is a hard thing for some guys to absolutely get 
their head wrapped around. So it's just don't fight it. Mm-hmm. Embrace it. Yeah. Love it. Which too, like we've talked about a lot in previous podcasts, but you know, it's also, I think, kind of what's been driving the auction market because guys have already done their research. They've already looked at all this stuff online. They've already talked to their dealer or whatever information they needed to get. So they already kind of know what they're looking for. So when something pops up on an auction that fits the bill for what's going to work for their operation, they're going to be looking to buy there too, you know, because it is that buy it, sign the paper, I'm done you know, move on type attitude, I guess. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I think we had a pretty good one here. Where can they find you on, on the interwebs? On the internet? Yeah. At Aaron Fintel on Twitter, and that's pretty much the best one. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right, you can find me on Twitter, <laughs> Instagram, and Facebook if you just search for Gina Nargis. Okay, and you can find me, if you really want to, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Movie9LLC. Thanks, Casey, Aaron, and Regina. We've got even more used equipment remarketing resources that we're sending your way. In addition to this podcast, we're also tapping into Casey's expertise across all our informational channels, including an Ask the Expert feature on our website where you can ask him your questions directly. Check it out at farm-equipment.com backslash asktheexpert. Thanks once again to Iron Solutions for sponsoring this series. Iron Solutions provides dealers like you with an array of lifecycle management services that drive sales and profits. The Iron Search and Iron Guide suite of solutions is all about managing each dealership more efficiently and profitably, while Iron Search allows you to directly showcase your used equipment online to a wider universe of buyers. Visit www.ironsolutions.com today. If you haven't done so already, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or the Google Play Store to get an alert when future episodes are released. You can also keep up on the latest industry news by registering online to receive our free newsletters. Visit www.farm-equipment.com. We hope you'll tune in with us for our next episode on August 16th. For Casey, Aaron, and Regina, as well as our entire staff here at Farm Equipment, I'm Kim Schmidt. Thanks for listening.